Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. I believe there are many ways to live life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.com howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. Sure, we all want to feed our families well. However, the pace of our lives is incredibly fast and can seem to be overwhelming. Melissa Lands understands your dilemma. She was a former marketing executive who quit her day job to promote a healthy family food culture. She is the founder of The Fresh 20, which is her answer to what's for dinner. Melissa strives to bring fresh food back to the family table and reduce the amount of processed ingredients used in American households. Melissa has just released her gorgeous new book, The Fresh 20, 20 Ingredients, Five Weeknight Meals, Health and Happiness. And we are going to talk about what you can do to feed your family so you can also promote a healthy family food culture. Melissa, hello and welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. So excited to be talking about this. (laughs) This is, you know, very powerful. First off, let me just say your book, The Fresh 20, gorgeous. Thank you. I I owe that all to my partner in crime, my husband. He he's an amazing photographer and he just made all of the food come to life. And so I wanted it to inspire people to get into their kitchens. It's it's absolutely gorgeous, and I agree because you're looking at the foods; they look so good, right? And one of one of your main things is to eat real foods, not processed foods. Yes, yes. I think, you know, I was born and and and, and raised for um, the beginning of my life in Minnesota, and I had a, a very different family food culture than I have now, and it's just been this slow slow. Um, learning process to get rid of the food that was making me feel bad. But I didn't want to give up any of the things that I ate when I was, you know, like the the good casseroles or, um, you know, a good uh, potato dish or tacos or any of the things that I loved to eat. I just wanted to make them with whole ingredients with without having to rely on any processed foods. So, yeah, I, I really get inspired by, by the book and the pictures. I'm constantly leaping through it to say, oh, I'm going to make this. Because uh, it, it is. You, can, you don't have to give up flavor or you don't have to give up taste or family favorites to eat healthy. Well, and that, that's kind of, I think, isn't that how we've been a bit brainwashed or conditioned, right? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I remember in the 90s when it was the low-fat craze and it was, well, eat everything low-fat, eat snack wells. Right. And food didn't taste good. It was like the only way to eat healthy was to not eat yummy food. I think, and I think that that is one of the things that's been happening for the last few decades is that we've all been, you know, like you said, bombarded with this, this notion that, you know, 
food needs to be convenient. We just we just need to get it down, and 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 we've been addicted to to you know fast food and processed food because they pump it with so much um, sugar, fat, salt, you know, all the things that make our taste buds go off. But the reality is, it's it's causing so many problems with our health in our society, not just with you know adults, but with kids and. It's really, really interesting that so many of the families that I talk to think that that if you know if that eating healthy means that they have to eat food that tastes like cardboard, mm-hmm. and it's just not true. I mean, it's 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 so amazing to see the changes when families start to get rid of processed food and you know replacing things like making cookies at home instead of buying them in the store. And then they realize, I can't believe how good, how, I can't believe what we've been eating all of these years. Like it tastes, I can't even eat it anymore. It tastes so bad, you know, mm-hmm. rather than making something with whole ingredients, you know, from your kitchen. So there's just so many things to talk about with it because I know that it's, it, it feels like this overwhelming hurdle to, to get back into your kitchen and to cook food and nourish yourself. But it's, it's really, it's really not. And I think that's kind of my mission is to, to, to teach people and to just kind of be a guide so that, you know, people can do it with ease and grace and not have to, to worry that they don't have the skills or the money necessary to eat healthy. You know, there's just so many barriers to getting started. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons that you can just say, I just can't do it, right? It's not possible. I can't eat organic. We can't afford it or whatever the reasons. And so we'll just continue on this path of, of not eating food that really fuels your body. And, and I find that. I talk to so many people. They're like, I just don't have the time and I just don't have the money. And those were two things that I struggled with as well. I mean, I always thought, okay, I just don't have time to, to come home and cook. I mean, I, I used to work in a corporate environment where I was working, you know, 60 hours a week and had two young children, two and three, and I'd get home and be exhausted, and I'd play with them for a little while and then, you know, grab a frozen burrito. So, you know, I made the excuses for a long time, but there came a moment in my life when I said, I don't feel good, and I don't have the energy necessary to be happy and to enjoy my family. I'm always depleted, and part of that comes from food. And I, you know, for me, it was this aha moment of two things happened and why I founded the Fresh 20. You know, it was watching my kids eat really healthy. The babysitter would cook them, you know, steamed vegetables and and great food. And I demanded great food for them. But my husband and I were still eating takeout and, you know, and fast food and, you know, bad deli food from, you know, the building where, you know, I was working. Mm -hmm. And... I said, my kids are going to turn around and start to watch what I'm eating and develop their family food culture based on what they see. And I knew I had to clean that up. And my mom also um, had a terminal illness. And in the last five years of her life, she had to eat through a feeding tube. And I couldn't look at food the same way anymore. I couldn't look at a bag of chips or a frozen burrito and feel good about it because I knew that you know, what she was having was just, you know, liquid to sustain her body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have, it's a privilege to eat. Mm. It's a privilege to, to be, it's the one thing that we can do for ourselves in our lifetime that doesn't require anyone else. Like, we can do this, each individual person, for ourselves. We can make choices every day that make us feel better. That's a tremendous amount of power. It's a tremendous privilege, and I couldn't waste it anymore. And I thought, I have to figure out a way that I can nourish myself so I can have the strength and I can nourish my family so that they, I can teach my kids how to, you know, eat well throughout their life. And I know that they're going to turn into teenagers and, and, you know, have a lot of influences in life where I can't always control what they eat. But if I give them the foundation and teach them that food is, is something that, that fuels us, it's not just something to make your taste buds go crazy and constantly be addicted to it. Um, 
that I give them a fighting chance to make great decisions and have a healthy life. (laughs) No, and I think that's so awesome. I think about... Um, you know, our family has generally ain't pretty healthy. And my husband is um, all for the last 19 years, he's always been the cook. And like a lot of the people that you've spoke to, I had a lot of stories about why I couldn't cook, didn't have the time. And then I had these, I was kind of this feminist, or I am this feminist. So it was like, well, I'm not, that's a domestic role, right? So I didn't want to do that. And I got in my own way. And so this actually, this year, I've been learning how to cook. And, um, and how are you liking it? Oh my gosh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Isn't it amazing how it just can open? I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to make something and sit down and, and, and share it and eat it. I get so much pleasure from that. And I know that so many people don't and they have a fear of cooking, which is part of my mission with the Fresh 20 is to say, it's not rocket science. Like just to give the simple tools that it takes to put a meal together and put it on the table. And you're so lucky that your husband cooks. Mine doesn't, but he can, he's like starting to a little bit like tune in to, to, to food and he'll finish off a recipe or he now will um, roast vegetables on the grill, you know, during the summer. And he's starting to have a, you know, a consciousness about it that it just doesn't show up on a plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is a story. It is a story that we tell ourselves that we can't do something or that, you know, it's, we set up the priorities in life and sometimes we're so busy trying to get things done that we miss out on some of the most important things, which is, I, I feel like fueling ourselves is one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves. Fueling ourselves and moving our bodies are two major things that we can do. And if you don't do those two things, it's really hard to be effective or to contribute what you want to contribute in the world. So I applaud you for, you know, picking up a spatula or a whisk <laughs> and, you know, trying, trying something out new. Um, have you found that you guys cook together at all? Well, he, his schedule has been busier, so he hasn't been around, but my kids have joined me in the kitchen. And, and part of the reason I wanted to learn how to be how to cook better was that because I could make scrambled eggs, you know, in pasta and, and pour something out of a jar. But the reason I wanted to cook was that last Christmas I was making gingerbread houses with my, my daughter who was 12 at the time. And we we're making these gingerbread houses because her girlfriends were coming over and going to decorate them. And I was losing it in the kitchen. And I was like, this is not this is not how I parent, you know, but there was this other story of it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. And we weren't eating these, right? These were just right. for decoration. It was an activity. And so that was part of the catalyst that, you know, I thought, I can't not go into the kitchen because that's going to trigger my bad parenting. All of my own fears come out. But it came out because I thought it had to be perfect. And then so slowly I decided I wanted to learn how to make 10 dishes this year. And um, the other thing that's great, Melissa, is that I've had a sense of community. So many people have like reached out to me and said, hey, I can teach you a recipe. And, and so that's been a lot of fun, too. Um, It's really amazing. I mean, I think that we sometimes we don't think about how heavily food connects us mm -hmm. as a community. And when you really think about it, every great moment, I shouldn't say every, but most great moments in life that we celebrate are centered around food. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a baby shower or, um, you know, a wedding reception or a birthday um, but, you know, so much of the things that we share with our community and our friends and our family are centered around food. And, and so to bring that into the house, into your own home, you know, in some, some way, shape, or form on a daily basis is really powerful because those are the moments that we connect and that we remember. And some of my best childhood memories are of, you know, sharing a bowl of gumbo on my aunt's patio with the rest of my family and laughing. And, you know, I can trace so many happy memories back to food. And I like to build those memories every day. And, you know, families can't necessarily eat together, to eat dinner together every single day. I mean, I understand this. I'm a mom of a seven and an eight-year-old. And, you know, they have practices and homework and, and, you know, things going on. But I think that sharing the family dinner table for at least one meal, whether Mm -hmm. it's a breakfast or lunch or an after-school snack or dinner, 
it really can be a centering place for your family. And it's amazing how it opens up like a family dynamic if you just let it like flow through the food, you know, mm-hmm. if you just don't put so much on it. I gave up trying to be perfect in the kitchen a long time ago. <laughs> and I love what Julia Child um, always used to say. She used to say, never apologize, never explain. And, and I just, I put the meal on the table and if it's not perfect and it wasn't exactly how I envisioned it, I don't say anything and we just eat it because it's, I, because I know that I put the best ingredients that I could into it and that I'm doing something to nourish my family. So if it's not like, you know, the top cordon bleu, you know, meal of my life, it's still, it's not, it's about getting to the table and having that moment where you're sharing something like that's nutritious and that is good for you and you're doing it together. And I think that's a great um tip for the listeners, right? That they they can give up being perfect in the kitchen because I think that's what stops us a lot of times. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to know about health. It's so overwhelming. So we go again, all or nothing instead of, well, what can I do today? I, I think it's so, isn't it interesting? I think that we were, we're so, as a society, we're so predisposed to these ideas of like, you know, these uh, diet plans, you know, mm-hmm. like first thing early or low fat, low carb, um, you know, there's everything. There's, um, what's the new one that's no, no grains at all. So then there's paleo and there's, um, you know, all of these things that aren't medically necessary, but there's things that we, we are constantly like trying out new things. And sometimes I think all that information can be very, very difficult. And I just had to say, stop. I want to have a sustainable food habit. How do I do that? How do I make make my life easier by figuring out how to have consistent, sustainable, healthy food at my dinner table without making myself crazy over all of the buzzwords that are happening out there? And I mean, that's really why I started the Fresh 20, because I wanted something that I could use that wasn't, you know, I, I sometimes um, some of my subscribers say I'm the non-diet diet because I'm not, I'm not meaning to be a diet plan. But I think that when you naturally are eating whole foods in that are, you know, well-prepared in good portion control sizes, you know, that aren't, aren't um, and those switches are easy to make. I used to make a pound of pasta for dinner. You know, mm-hmm. I'd take a box of pasta and I'd cook the pound of pasta. And I didn't think anything of it because that's just what, you know, mm-hmm. my family's done my whole life. And But the problem is if you cook a pound of pasta, you eat a pound of pasta. So when I realized that that pound of pasta is for eight people, if you look on the back, the serving size <laughs> of the pasta, it's eight people. It's not for a family of four. So, so just cl- like kind of... Um, just consciously, like, looking at, okay, what am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. how can I make it healthier? So now when I make pasta, I make eight ounces of pasta for my family. So it's, and it's also, I buy great pasta, like good organic whole grain pasta, and it might cost me a dollar more, but I'm using one box of pasta for two meals. So it's actually costing less because when I'm, you know, doing all of the calculations and really thinking about portion control instead of wasteful, you know, just the wasteful habits that we have, that's how I maintain the budget of eating Mm -hmm. is that I say, okay, like I'm going to buy one pound of pasta this week, but it's for two meals. And so when you cook with less and you waste less, then the budgetary restrictions, you know, that story that we tell ourselves that Mm -hmm. I can't eat healthy on a budget. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it gets eliminated. And, and for you, and I know your boys have grown quite a bit since you first started the Fresh 20, but do you have an idea of how much your f- food budget used to be and what it is now? Oh, like crazy. I mean, I think just with takeout and everything alone, mm-hmm. I mean, easily $200 a week. And and so for, now... For just dinner and like never having anything in my in my refrigerator for breakfast and just like eating out lunches and having takeout three times a week and I mean it was it was a lot. Um, now we spend about seventy five dollars on our dinners and a, probably another twenty five for staples um, 
like we know our staples are very few, like, you know, milk or eggs or, you know, um, anything like that. But um, it's dramatically decreased. Uh, and I think that because I've kind of worked out this, this puzzle of these 20 ingredients, that what happens is I can buy better ingredients, but like I said, I buy less of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I used to go out for a meal, you know, in the summertime, I used to go out and buy four, four uh, steaks, for example, for my family. And what I didn't realize is that was like two pounds of meat. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, granted, I've got a, my husband's six five, and he comes from meat potatoes <laughs> family. But I mean, you know, just just looking at it was over. Looking at it was overwhelming. I was like, okay, wait, this is so. Just by saying, okay, I can buy a better quality of meat. I can buy a grass-fed, organic, you know, um, beef, but I'm just only going to buy one pound of it. I'm going to buy, or a pound and a quarter of it. And and we we eat what we buy, and mm-hmm. so we don't waste anymore. I don't have tons of fruits and vegetables and, and proteins and dairy and everything at the end of the week. I eat to sustain my family. Mm-hmm. And I think that the habit that so many Americans had and I had for so long was we just throw so much stuff in the cart and we overspend because we don't have a plan and we don't think about the portion size. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's how our society is. I mean, you go to restaurants and you see the portion size and mm-hmm. we stopped as a family even in restaurants, ordering four meals because we're like, this is a tremendous amount of waste. So now we order either two meals or three meals or we try and figure it out or, you know, two meals and two appetizers because we just get in this conscious habit of like, we don't want to waste it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that just gets back to to my whole aha moment of like the privilege of eating and how I wanted to really eat good food, you know, and... and uh, so, yeah, there's so many stories. I think that if you have a plan for your family and you stick to a grocery list and you stop buying processed ingredients, like processed food, mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, pound for pound, it's not more expensive. I mean, I know, you know, if something's on sale and there's a jar of tomato sauce and, you know, it's 99 cents, you'll say, okay, I can't make that tomato sauce for 99 cents. But what I would say to that is, you know, what's the trade-off? One, turn that bottle around and read what's on that bottle. So if I told you you can make that sauce spending $2 instead of 99 cents with fresh tomatoes and fresh, enough, you know, a fresh onion and a few fresh tomatoes and some celery or, you know, and it costs you $2 instead of one, but you're not putting any of those, you know, chemicals or ingredients that you can't read on your dinner table, mm-hmm. then, then to me, that's, that's just the cost differential of having a healthier life and a healthier body. I can't understand why somebody would not, you know, consider the cost of, of health. And the cost of healthcare is crazy. I mean, <laughs> don't even get me started on, on our whole healthcare. But food solves so many health issues. I mean, I get emails from our subscribers. I had an email not too long ago from a wife, and she said, my husband has had high cholesterol for like the last 10 years, and I've really tried to, I've tried everything. I've tried every diet known to man. I, you know, what I ate what the doctors told me they ate everything else. She's like, I, we tried the Fresh 20 for 30 days. And before his, between those 30 days, before his test, and then 30 days of just eating the Fresh 20 for lunch and for dinner, and then after, his cholesterol dropped something like 25 points. Wow. Just by eating, like eliminating the processed foods. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. And... I think that, you know, again, it's, it's not an intentional, like, I'm, there's no, like, intentional thing that, that I set out to do as far, I just wanted to have a solution for myself and my family, and I just think that people are finding more and more that, yeah, wow, there's something to eating whole foods, there's something to not eating the, the, the processed foods that are full of, you know, 
mainly sodium. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of if you if you look on a label and all of those words that you can't understand what they are, most of them are sodium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's it's just sodium, sugar, and soy. Yeah. So and 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 I think that it's really interesting when you start to read a label. For me, I don't like to buy anything that um, has like more than five whole food ingredients in it. So to me, that's something that's minimal, minimally processed. So if I buy a loaf of bread at the store, for example, I can pick up a loaf of bread that's by a, you know, in a national bread maker and has ingredients that I can't understand and mm-hmm. I don't know what they are. Or I can get a bakery loaf, you know, that is a whole grain bakery loaf, like a, you know, a, a whole wheat or something that literally has five ingredients in it. And to me, the choice is really clear. Like, why would I buy the one that is full of processed ingredients? The bakery loaf might cost me 50 cents more. But again, if you factor in the cost of your health, paying like, you know, a 10%, 15% premium for your food is really, I mean, one visit to the doctor because you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol or, I mean... Or diabetes. That, or diabetes, exactly. And people on diabetes, like I... People that have diabetes ask me all the time, is your plan, you know, and I say, absolutely. I mean, you know, for for me, any way that you can eat whole foods is going to be helpful for for any medical condition that you have. Just the sure nature of processed food in our country mm-hmm. is just, it's, there's not any health benefit to it. Mm-hmm. Especially, I was laughing earlier when you said snack wells, because I was like, oh my gosh, I could just... I remember the green box mm-hmm. and the whole thing. And then, you know, and I just, it's its so crazy. And I mean, I used to be, you know, a um, a cookie, a cookie monster, you know. Mm-hmm. I am a cookie monster. I love cookies. Um, but I never used to cook them at home. Once in a while, chocolate chip cookies or whatever. But once I started making kids cookies with my kids in my kitchen and kind of experimenting and making a few things and, I couldn't, I, I couldn't eat, I can't eat the cookies anymore. I could never go back to like a, you know, like a Chips Ahoy or an Oreo or something like that. And I think that we're all, we have this notion in our head, like, but it tastes so good, but it mm-hmm. tastes like it, you know, it's an Oreo, you know, it's like my childhood and everything else. And yeah, you might have, you know, once a year I might say, okay, I need to have a childhood moment where I have, you know, six Oreos and a glass of milk. But you know, that's because the rest of the year I'm eating healthy and I can say, okay, I'm going to do this. I know intentionally I need to have this childhood moment. But to unconsciously, consistently grab for that to have in your house, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think step one is to get rid of all of those things in your house, is to say, you know what, just for, just for 30 days, I'm going to get rid of the Doritos and the Oreos and the sodas and the things that we're going to when we're tired, that we're going to when we're frustrated or we're upset. Because, of course, if those things were in my house, if I'm having a bad day, guess what? I'm going to go to those things Mm -hmm. because I know that immediately they're going to give me that taste bud sensation of the salt, the sugar, and the fat. And they are designed to make you feel a certain way. They are designed to be addicted, (laughs) whether we're addicted to them. So I, I literally, I just keep them out of my house. And if I want a treat for myself or I want something that is going to reel at that comfort food, I just make it. I have some great um, uh, dark chocolate that I use. And sometimes I totally admit I will go to the freezer, I will take a square of dark chocolate, and I will put it on the tip of my tongue and just sit there and let it, I close my eyes and then let it melt and I say, Chocolate, heal me. <laughs> Please heal me. Because we do, like, it's the, the consciousness about food is, is so crazy in our country. And we, we do have to go through those moments. And I, I, I said in my book, I have been everything from a size 2 to a size 14. So I'm not, I'm not preaching from some place of, like, always being a health nut and being in the best of shape my whole life. I'm coming from a place of, wow. My life opened up when I found Whole Foods. My Mm -hmm. life opened up when I gave up processed food in a way that was so powerful to me that I want to share it. 
And um, but yeah, you there's these. I'm rambling. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> no, you're not rambling. I'm so passionate about all of these things, and I'm sometimes I realize, okay, breathe, Melissa, breathe. <laughs> but I, I think it's exciting because, and and again, like for the listeners to realize, it's not about being perfect, right? You in. You can take small steps, do what works for you now. And, and really, that's how I got to where I am in cooking is by taking small steps. You know, granted, I started learning how to cook this year, but there were things that over the last five years I've been changing. And then this year, I'm kind of really going a little bit more gung ho about stuff. But, you know, I talked with my daughter recently and I said, oh, we're getting rid of, you know, processed foods and mostly in the terms like we don't have a whole lot, but cereal is a big one in our house. And, um, and my daughter's like, oh, I'm just never going to eat any real good food anymore. So I asked her, I said, well, what's really good food? You know, and she said, Cheez-Its. And I said, well, we'll still have them on occasion, but it's not going to be our day-to-day thing. And um, and so it was interesting because one night I was making chicken fajitas, which I used to only be able to get in a restaurant because I didn't know how to make it. So I was making chicken fajitas and they're just so yummy. And um, we had some, but, and people were coming over and I just decided to pull out that frozen guacamole, you know, from Costco uh-huh, and just uh-huh. put it together because I had it and I didn't have enough avocados. And so we did that. And my daughters were like, mom, this doesn't taste very good because we eat fresh guacamole all the time. Right. And, and I said, and I go, well, that's an example of the difference of eating real food and processed food. It's so true. And I'm so glad you said that because I think that that is, that is the thing that, I think when when parents start to cook with whole whole foods in their kitchen, that they're at first they're you know their family their kids might be a little hesitant, but once kids actually taste whole foods, like their bodies crave it, and mm-hmm. our bodies crave it too, and just them knowing the difference. I mean that's the thing for my kids, even at seven and eight, just because they know the difference between real food and processed food they're able to make the choices. And that's so great that your girls were like, no, that doesn't, that's not, that's not guacamole. And, and that the freshness of your homemade guacamole is now important to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're demanding, they're going to, they're going to start slowly and more and more and more demanding quality for themselves. And they'll start demanding quality in, in restaurants and start only going places. Like there's certain restaurants that I can't go to anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't, I can't, I can't eat the food. Mm-hmm. But I used to, you know, frequent those restaurants like twice a week, you know, mm-hmm. just stuffing the food in my face. And, and now I can't because it doesn't even taste real. And so those are, that's, that's what being conscious about food can give you and that we can pass on to our children is just saying, you know what, we know that you're going to make your own choices one day. And we want you to have the most knowledge possible. And I didn't have that when I was growing up. I mean, I have, my dad is the cook and my mom, you know, cooked five things my entire, um, you know, childhood, <laughs> one of them being melt. So I, um, you know, God love her. She's, she was not, uh, she was not domestic. Like she was, like you were saying earlier, she was a feminist. She went to mm-hmm. work, she did her thing, and food was just like convenience, get it on the table. It wasn't, you know, something. And it's interesting because she came from a world where my grandmother, who came over from Ireland, she came from a world where my grandmother cooked dinner every night, you know, mm. from scratch cooked dinner. And I think that my mom's generation was trying to get so far away from that Mm -hmm. and pass that along to my generation. And I think that, uh, I think that my generation is now starting to say, wait, though, I don't, I don't want my food to come in a box and put it in a microwave and then put it on the table. Like it just doesn't feel right anymore. Mm -hmm. So now we're starting to get back to cooking from scratch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like this crazy cycle. No, it, it is a cycle. And, you know, it was a client earlier this year, maybe end of last year, who said to me, oh, I'm so sorry that your mom wasn't a good cook. And like your mother, my mom's an amazing cook. But I chose not to go into that kitchen because that was another area in my life I had to be perfect and I just couldn't do it. Right. So, so there was a kind of that perfection thing. And then the whole idea of, oh, I'm not going to be that domestic person. You know, this is what I'm going to do. And, and tr- so there were, there were these different stories. And now what I find is that, 
you know, I actually enjoy it. I like to go to the grocery store and I love my list because it is, it's so much easier just to go and it takes a lot less energy to do it that way than to kind of go around mindlessly. And then the other is, is that I, it's, it's that kind of that wind down at the end of the day, which kind of helps me stop working. Right. And I, and I feel like it's, you know, cutting the vegetables and stuff. It can seem tedious, but I like it. It's, there's this like, um, it's like a meditation almost for me. And so I actually enjoy it. Um, you know, and last night was a, last night was a later night. We ate dinner really late and I was like, wow, who are we now eating dinner so late? You know, we've always been an early, but my kids are older. We have sports and, and I had to be out of the house for a bit. So everything got pushed back and later than I would have liked, but I still really enjoyed the meal. And then my daughter made the guacamole, you know, and, um, and she didn't put limes in and she goes, but mom, I like it better this way. <laughs> so Isn't that great that they can self-identify with they? I think that's so great that they can start to say, like they can, they, they start to, my, my kids too have that, like what they do like and what they don't like. And they'll, and my seven year old, he tastes things sometimes and he'll say, mm, I don't know, mom, I know that dad's going to want more salt, but I think it's okay. Why don't we put in like a little bit more garlic or something? And my <laughs> eyes just light up because I'm like, he's actually thinking about how it tastes, mm-hmm. you know, and what, how he can make it. Uh, it's just such a great thing. And you said something, and I really, really want to, to talk about it for a second because you, you said, again, about the getting into the kitchen at the end of the day as a working mom and not, and not wanting to not be perfect or to, you know, to fail at something again, like during the, you know, or just feel like you're mm-hmm. being a bad parent or whatever it is. And I think that that is so important um, to to think about that, you know, making dinner can be something that is at the end of the day, it's something that you're doing with your family that is a huge building block for happiness. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, and I did this too, rush through getting something on the table and rush through dinner. So we're just like, we get home, we're rushing, you know, we're checking our Facebook, we're making a phone call, we're wrangling the kids and everything else, and then we're rushing through dinner to get to what? And I think that I ask moms that all the time. Well, why are you rushing through dinner? Like, what, where do you, what are you trying to get to? They're like, well you know, homework and baths and getting the kids down and everything. And I said, and then, like, is your family watching TV after that? Like, what are you guys doing? Because raising our kids to be healthy is the number one priority mm-hmm. as parents. The number one priority. And I know that every, every parent I know would go to the ends of the earth for their kids. They would do anything for their kids. So why won't they cook healthy for them? If the, if they knew how it can destroy their insides, they, you can't see it. You know, you can't. It's not something that you can see. If your kid was bleeding, you take him to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So you... why wouldn't you do what's necessary to make sure that your kids were healthy on the inside? Because you might not see it. It might be a decade in the making. Mm-hmm. But all the diseases that we have as adults, they come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so so that feeling of, of, of not being perfect or that it's just another task for a parent to do when they get home, I reject that. I reject that, that it's just another task. Because it's the most important task. It, it, and I so agree with you. And my mom, you know, cooked so hard for me as a child growing up. And I was a swimmer and she made sure that I had good, healthy foods. And we had really limited money and resources for that. But she always cooked really well. Um, but it's interesting because I think some of the messages that I got growing up were also the stuff that we hear, you know, from our culture. And so for me, it was, it became more about, oh, we need, we can eat this as long as it doesn't make you fat. Right. That was kind right. of the message. And, and and I think a lot of people are looking at, okay, what can we eat to not be fat? 
And instead of how can we eat, like, as you've said, food is nourishment. Food gives us vitamins, minerals. I mean, there's so much research right now where they're going, there's so much we don't know about nutrition that yes, you can take this vitamin that would be in blueberries, but maybe it's not just that vitamin. Maybe it's the phyto, whatever. I can't even remember the names, but it's all those things that the blueberry has that actually gives us good health. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, I think it's so, so interesting that, you know, what you were saying about how we're just like, okay, can I eat this? Like, what can I eat so that it doesn't make me fat? Well, you can eat, you know, uh, 10 potato chips uh, once an hour, on the hour, every hour for the entire day. And if that's what you're going to eat, it's not going to necessarily make you fat. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing anything for the inner workings of your body. It's going to you tired. Yeah. It's going to make you grumpy. It's going to, like, you know, change your, your the constitution of your blood you know, and give you higher cholesterol and, you know, possibly higher blood pressure because of the salt content. So it is really interesting how our society, and, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the book is, you know, I understand people ask for nutrition information, and we have a nutritionist that we work with at the Fresh 20 for our weekly plans. Um, I didn't for the first two years because I really wanted it to be about, you know, learning with your eyes, and your senses mm-hmm. and your stomach, like what a healthy portion was and how you can put a meal together, you know, very simply that's going to be healthy. And I didn't want it to be about the calories mm-hmm. or the fat content. And because I think we can get obsessed with that. You know, we can get obsessed with calorie counting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people can do it their whole entire lives. But I would say to that, like, where's the joy in being able to just, to just know what's good for you with by your taste buds and by your portion and by your sight. Um, so I do publish, um, you know, the cookbook doesn't have the nutrition information in it, but I tell everyone, you know what, if you need this because you're on some restricted diet, like a diet, you know, if you're a diabetic or, um, watching your, um, cholesterol or your blood pressure, then I publish all of them on the website. Like they can go and they can get the nutrition information, but I just don't want it to be that thing that's just, I really want people to concentrate on, you know, how good food can make you feel good. Well, it sounds, because what I like about your process is that you're, you are saying, listen, tune in, use your body to help guide you versus somebody telling you what you're supposed to eat. Right? right, or how many calories or points you're eating, and then now you're you're maybe follow, focused on that that you're forgetting about the nutrition, right? So maybe you're right. going to trade a calorie over here because you want to have X, but then there's not any nutritional content that can really fuel your body. Yeah, and I mean I get it. I completely understand. I know that you know there's a lot of people out there struggling with weight, and they want a solution and they want to figure out how they can do that. And there's lots of different tools and ways. I just think that coupled, that, that needs to be partnered and coupled with something that can give you sustainable, you know, a, a sustainable path to health and not just, you know, um, how many points is this and trying to lose. The, the whole thing is trying to lose, you know, a certain amount of weight in I think misses the point of trying to feel good. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's feel good. I know for me, when I used to go in and out of a healthy diet, I when I'm on a bad diet and I don't feel good, I don't want to exercise. I don't really want to get out in the world. I'm kind of, you know, more a homebody because I'm just kind of sluggish. And then when I when I eat well and when I'm eating whole foods, my energy is up. So I'm like, oh, I want to go for a walk or you know, I want to drive down to the beach this weekend with my kids because I have the energy to do it. And I think that eating well fuels a healthy, you know, a healthy mentality and a healthy lifestyle. And sometimes I think that's missed if we're just worried about the calorie count or the fat count or something. And, you know, it's really interesting, like other, you know, countries in the world, um, they, they eat so different. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't, um, there's a book and I'm, I'm, don't, I'm forgetting the name. Um, if you were like something like French women or, or like a yeah. French men are skinny, French, French women, women are skinny, skinny or something. And it's really about that concept of there's not this neurosis about food. 
you know, they can have a coffee and a croissant in the morning and not feel bad about it. You know, they just, it's, it's a complete, so I feel like the mindset about food, that anything that we eat is going to be bad for us. When I have a homemade chocolate chip cookie and a glass of milk, I'm not feeling guilty about it. I'm feeling wonderful about it. Like I'm sitting down and I'm, I know that like those moments that I'm sharing with my kids when we're having a treat, but here's the difference. I sit down with my kids and I have that treat. Mm-hmm. Or not... we, we go outside and we have it. So it becomes part of the life experience to be eating things together. And on the weekends, we have what we call like Saturday. We have our, you know how they have Sunday supper. We have our Saturday afternoon after the sports in the, in the morning. We come back and we sit at the table as a family and like have pasta and salad, you know. And, and we sit and we talk and we linger over at the, at the dinner table. And, you know... It's just something, it's the way that we're eating about food. It's not just about the calories or the fat count. It's about relaxing about their food intake and just really enjoying it for a second. And I remember when I, I lived in, in Paris, when I first arrived in Paris, I think I was like 180 pounds. And when I came home from Paris after a little under, I think maybe seven or eight months for the first time, I was 125 pounds. I didn't diet. It didn't belong to a gym. It was purely the way that I ate. And that was an incredibly powerful moment for me. Like, I didn't realize that until way later in life. Mm -hmm. But it was because I walked a lot, and I wasn't crazy about food. And I ate all all fresh food. When Mm -hmm. I lived in France, there there wasn't this prevalence of processed food. You know, unfortunately, now in France, there's, you know, Carrefour, which is their version of Costco, and there's all sorts of processed food, and they're going the way of the Western diet. But, you know, when I when I lived there 20 years ago, I it was a complete different mindset about food. People weren't didn't look at me funny, you know, or or treat it weird. It was just fresh food, like eaten sensibly mm-hmm. and enjoyed over a meal. And so that, that's no accident. You don't go from 180 pounds to 125 pounds without dieting, worrying about your food intake. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't you think, though, that we've had so much worry about dieting and being skinny, right? That outside stuff without the concern of what's happening to our insides, um, that that has taken away the pleasure of food because it's almost like so many people have shame about if they want to eat, then they must be bad because they shouldn't have to eat or, you know, that they have to have this horrible, starving, uncomfortable feeling to lose weight. And doesn't sound like that that's what you experienced when you were in France. It wasn't at all. And I don't experience now in my life either. I mean, I, you know, I think as a woman, of course, like the body image culture Mm -hmm. that, you know, in our, in our society is such that we're all so, um, so concerned and so insecure about our bodies. And I'm talking about size zero women all mm-hmm. the way up to size 26 women. It doesn't matter. Like our society is set up in a way that we're consistently, you know, it's worried that our bodies aren't, you know, making the cut or that, you know, we don't like the way that we look in clothes and we don't. And, and I have to say that I have experienced so much of that in my life where I just don't, like my body. And I had to separate that from my food. Mm-hmm. I had to separate that, that feeling away from how I felt when I was eating. And the, honestly, the way that I did that was to sit down. If I'm eating alone, I'm either like at lunchtime, if I'm eating alone, I'm, I'm working through it. So, you know, but sometimes I had to teach myself, no, Melissa, stop what you're doing and sit down for 20 minutes, even 10 minutes mm-hmm. and just, eat. Like just quiet your mind and eat. And even just that process refuels me, but also the process of like taking it away from like, how much am I eating? What am I eating? What am I doing? And and saying, you know what? My body feels good. It's fueled with energy. And that's, that's what this food is doing for me. And when I sit down with my family, it becomes less about it becomes, I, it's not about me. Like mm-hmm. that narcissistic notion that we all have, like that we're always like in our heads, like 
for every single thing that we're putting in our bodies and we're thinking about it. If you sit down with your family and then you enjoy the company of your family while you're eating a meal and it's, it's made with health and you're experiencing happiness, that, that whole entire negative speak that we're having with ourselves about that this is going to make me fat or this is going to make me undesirable, it goes away. And that's the power of what sharing a family meal can bring you. Mm-hmm. Is that it becomes less about, oh, this is going to like, you know, my thighs are too big or I don't know how they look in my jeans. And it becomes about sitting down with your family and listening. Like I listen to my mm-hmm. kids and I talk to my husband and we laugh about things that happen during the day. And that's what your body needs. It needs more of that. It needs more laughter. It needs more like just take a deep breath and relax. Well, and I, and I agree because, you know, the family table has always been something that's been important to us. And it gets hard as the kids' activities and sports, you know, jumble around. Or Right now, everybody's going crazy because it's the end of the school year, right? So there's every recital for everything and every last game and every dinner party and so on. But one of the things that we try to do most nights, we don't do it every and we didn't do it last night, is that we, you know, after we serve, we sit down and we clink our glasses and then... Um, we, as we're eating, we talk about the things that we're grateful for from that day. It can't be, oh, I'm grateful that we're going to Disneyland in two weeks, right? It has to be for <laughs> that day. And, yeah. and it's so interesting because uh, last month I was interviewing Dan Pink. And after I got off the show with him, it was my kid's spring break. And so I said, it was a few hours later, I said to my kids, they'd been sitting on the couch all day. And I said, you know what? I need to run errands. Let's ride our bikes. Let's go why do we have to go? Because we live in a bike community. It's a college town. And I said, we're going to ride our bikes. You've been sitting on the couch. Let's just go. It's not that far of a bike ride, right? It's 15, 20 minutes. But they were complaining like no other the whole <laughs> time. teenagers do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, a 13 and 11-year-old. But yes, they were complaining, complaining. And I said, that's okay. We are still going. Well, that night we were sitting at the table and we were going through our, what am I grateful for? And I almost fell out of my chair, Melissa, because my 11-year-old goes, I'm grateful for biking downtown. Oh. Had we not done that gratitude, I would never have known. And then the next day, when I had to go run some more errands, I would have probably just said, let's get in the car. Right? But that, but that was information of she may complain, but look at what she was grateful for. And then the next day she got on the bike. Her older sister still complained, but you're right. She's a teenager. She's going to complain anyways, right? Opinion noted. So, but it, so those things are just the family meals, especially in our family and how, how busy we are. It is our way to connect. And I really enjoy that. And the change for me is, is that I used to think that oh, it had to be done going out, right? That would be easier because I was tired at the end of the day. But I really find the cooking part relaxing. What made it so stressful was my old story of it had to be perfect or I didn't know how, right? right. And so it was really fear-driven. And now that I'm like, well, we'll sh- see what happens. And nobody has had food poisoning yet, knock on wood, <laughs> right? And the food has been yummy. And it's been fun. And the butcher at the grocery store helps me because I explained to him that I totally own my story. I go, look, I don't know how to cook. I'm learning. He goes, you really? I said, I really don't know how to cook. I said, I touched raw chicken for the first time last week. Right. And he's been awesome. Like, I love the butcher, my butcher at the grocery store now because he works with me. He explains things to me. It's amazing how many people will help you when you just own your story of what your limitations are and and then seek some help. That's been my experience, at least. It's so true. And your 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 story, your your newly scripted story of getting in the kitchen and cooking. And now you've kind of done the other way and isn't it empowering now like don't you feel empowered now by just getting in there and saying okay like one day at a time you know and um i think that that is is such a wonderful thing and i i think that the only thing that i would say to anybody that was you know wondering or looking for a solution or trying to figure out or just so tired of wasting money on takeout and bad food is just to start small just mm-hmm. pick something, you know, something small that you could do for your family's house. Like maybe it's just giving up soda. I mean, that could be a huge game changer for a family to drink more water and give up soda or even just like switching from white rice to brown rice, you know, one week and seeing how that goes or, you know, and starting out slow, even maybe doing half and half, mm-hmm. you know, and then moving towards something. But I think it's just these small changes and these slow steps 
that we can be making towards happiness because my journey with food really it wasn't something, you know, I had an aha moment and then, you know, knew that I had to switch, but it's not like it all happens overnight. Mm-hmm. I'm continually on a journey to learn more about food, to enhance my, my, my knowledge, to cook more, to experiment, to, to teach my kids as much as I possibly can. I'm a, it's a constant. It's, it's never ending. But what, what works for me is that I've just chosen this path of like a limited amount of ingredients so that I'm not wasting food and easy recipes of things that my family want to eat and having a plan every week so that I'm not wondering what's for dinner and then slowly making good choices on a day-to-day basis. And I have to say, like, not every day, not every day is the best choice, you know? I mean, sometimes I go to breakfast and I'm like, you know what? I want stuffed French toast Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever. I mean, we're all human and we have our things, but when we make it a priority, then we know if I'm eating good 90% of the time and Mm -hmm. I don't 10% of the time, you know, I'm on the road a lot. If I want to have something that, you know, might not be the best, like, um, what do I eat? Oh, spinach artichoke dip. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love, there's a restaurant that um, in Los Angeles that has like this amazing, and it's good. It's a quality restaurant and they make good things, but it is cheesy and delicious and like a molten, wonderful spinach artichoke dip. And it's like, you know what? I can do that. I don't have to sit there and feel guilty about it. I've made enough small changes in my life that, you know, I know that I'm doing what's, what's good for myself and for my family. So, yeah, there's ice cream days and there's, um, you know, we have once a month in our house, I, we have a donut day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell parents. You don't have to give up, you know, doing the things that you enjoy doing with your family, but just be conscious about it. You don't have to have donuts on Saturday and Sunday every single week. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, that's not, you know, sustainable, good, healthy habits. But, like, picking a day of the month. My, my kids at the beginning of the month, they get right on the calendar which Sunday is going to be donut day. That's and it's awesome. fun for them, you know? And so they, they know, like, that's a treat. And we, we do that because, yeah, it's fun to, to sit down and, like, have donuts every once in a while. And I haven't gotten that far in my imperfect kitchen. I haven't gotten that far to learn how to make donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, maybe I should. But, you know, it's Sunday morning and I'm tired. And so once a month, the donut day is fine with me. Mm-hmm. So it's not about being perfect, like you said. And it's not about you know, this ideal, you know, health, nut, crazy, fanatical lifestyle. It's just about small choices and, and, and doing what you know to be to be good. Because I, I think everybody knows that, like, when they pick up a bag of Doritos and a Coke, I, I think they, like, as they're eating it, they're probably like, hmm, doesn't, yeah. doesn't taste so it's good. It's not the best choice. Well, and it doesn't taste so good. And I think the other thing is that your that first bite, right, is is chemically engineered to taste amazing. It's gonna totally zap all your taste buds. But mm-hmm. then the returning bites don't taste so good. But you keep looking for that initial hit, yeah. And then you and then you kind of tune out, and then you finish the whole bag, right? And exactly. And, and that's and that's the thing, right? And but just like how your daughter with the guacamole. Which she was like, no, that doesn't taste as fresh as the guacamole. When you start to eat whole foods, then you start to crave them more. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in the morning, I used to crave a cappuccino, and now I crave green. I crave green juice. Like mm-hmm. I literally sometimes in the morning I wake up and I'm like, I can't. You know, how some people are like, I can't even talk to you right now because I haven't had my cup of coffee. I'm like, I need my green juice <laughs> 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 because my body is, is sending signals saying. Your day is going to feel so much better if you put the green juice in it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the small changes that, that start to happen. Your body just starts to say, hmm, I don't know. I think I'd rather have that. Well, Melissa, it has been awesome talking with you. I love your enthusiasm and passion. Thank you so much for being a guest today on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I, I am passionate about it, and I, I see and the, you know, with the with the Fresh Twenty subscribers, I see that they write to me and they they post on our Facebook page and they they're they're so jazzed and and, and they've a lot of them were non cooks just like you mm-hmm. and it's just so great to see like a community of people saying yeah okay this is possible and I don't have to be perfect with it I just have to you know to to have a plan and to 
get in there and just try. Well, it's it, it's a practice and it's lifelong. It's sustainable. And that's why you do eat the donuts once a month or you'll have ice cream days or it's not about being perfect because perfect or eliminations, that's not sustainable because at some point, right, that's all or nothing. And it's like, oh, I just have to have it. So yeah. that's great. I'm really happy for you and your family and your newfound space in the kitchen. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. I will have um, links to all Melissa's books and her website on my website on the show notes. So you can always go and find Melissa. Melissa, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at How She Really Does It. Each week, I try to bring inspiration, empowerment, and entertainment for you. Each show has a takeaway, something you can implement to take those steps forward in your own journey. I'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me at my website at www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter to get insider information as well as each podcast delivered directly into your inbox. Have a great day and I'm smiling big for you. Early morning, fog is lifting, she's in a row. 